it's Tori, and I just wanted to let you know you're about to listen to a Patreon exclusive. If you didn't know, in September, RTBB launched a Patreon, which is a monthly subscription-based community where I release an extra weekly episode that is a Patreon exclusive where we further deep dive pop culture topics, do more celebrity gossip news roundups, and just generally, you know, get a little bit more spicy. It also includes a Patreon-only Discord, and Discord might seem a little bit daunting, but it's basically like a Slack where we can hang out, chat, you know, send each other TikToks, and and it's your chance to talk more with me and talk with members of the RTBB community. You can check out the benefits and the pricing and what you get for each tier on patreon.com slash RTBB podcast. And if you have any questions about joining Patreon, you can slide into my DMs at RTBB podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. A playlist original. Hey, what's up? It's your host, Story, and who is ready to be petty? Welcome back to another episode of RTBP. You petty betties, I am so glad you're here. Episode 5 on the Patreon, I cannot believe it. I've had really positive feedback so far, which like, love, thank you. My self-esteem is fragile at best. But I just wanted to say, truly, because I feel like a lot of people say this but don't mean it, if there is something that you want me to change or do differently, which I guess is the same thing, or... If you want me to do something in particular or stop doing something, please let me know. Again, I've said this a million times, but I really want to make this, you know, worth it for you um, because I just, I understand money can be tight and even that you're like contributing to a subscription like this means the world to me, but I know it's a big deal. I don't take it lightly and I just want to make you all happy. So today's episode is really interesting because I think it's like the most kind of like, you know, like moving away from the the typical topics that we talk about. And don't worry, we do talk about, about celebs around the 20 minute mark. We talk about like Selena, Demi, Nick, Jennifer Lopez, like all of those people who were involved in this charity that we're talking about. But yeah, it was kind of fun to talk about something a little bit different. I am joined by Emily Rose of It's Become a Whole Thing and then Lisa, who is one of my friends in real life, who was at camping. I was going to say this in the bonus, I think, 24 episode that I did with Dana. We mentioned some of our friends that we happened to bump into there and it was Lisa. So there's just, you know, the little RTBB tie in there. And then I want to clarify, I found old pictures that I'm going to post, but I actually went to Wee Day in 2009. I think I kept saying like 2010, but it was definitely 2009. And then if you're listening to this day of release, come hang out with Emily and I again, and your fave and mine, Kenzie Cates, tonight for the Midnight's live stream. We are going to talk about, you know, just like theories about the 
album, what we're most excited for, the song titles, etc. And then at nine o'clock, we're going to stream the songs, listen to them all together. And it's going to be really fun. We'll be on video and I think you folks can like comment and stuff like that. So it's going to be really engaging and I'm really excited about that. And then my next episode is going to be with Nicholas. We are going to talk about the Midnight's album. So if you have any comments or questions, of course you can... It, actually, it's like weird because it's like it would just be to you guys. But like you can always go to speakpipe.com slash ready to be petty or just fucking share them in the discord and we can talk about them immediately. And I think that's it. Thank you again so much for being here. I so appreciate it. And I have had so much fun chatting with you all in the discord. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Emily Rose and Lisa. I'm back with two very special guests, Lisa and Emily Rose. Emily Rose, let's start with you. How are you doing? Fantastic. It's always good when we chat. So happy to be here. Just obsessed with you, Tori, in a non-creepy way or creepy (laughs) way, (laughs) whichever, you know? (laughs) Thanks for being back. I feel like this is our like hat trick of an episode. It is. It's something that we've been talking about for... Uh, pretty much since we first met, which feels like a while ago, like you feel like someone who's been in my life, like kind of for a long time, but I guess it's about a year now or so mm-hmm. I'll say. Yeah. This episode has been a long time in the making. I don't even know how we stumbled on the topic of free the children, but as soon as we did, I was like, okay, I need to invite my friend Lisa. So Lisa, welcome to the pod. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. It's my first podcast, but I'm so excited to (laughs) talk about Free the Children, be petty about Free the Children, and yeah, it's great to be here. And we met working in residence at a university in Canada, and I feel like the first time we met, you were like, oh, did you start the Free the Children chapter at our university? And I was like, yes, I did. It's true. The first time that you were like ever, like I ever heard about you way before I met you was like, oh, you're really into me to we or free the children. Um, I know someone named Tori that's also really into this. And then our lives kind of cross paths in many different ways after that. But it's kind of the first I ever heard of you was connected to that. I feel like that's so embarrassing. <laughs> like, I feel like that's just so tragic because it's such a footnote of my life. But all three of us really wanted to record this episode because we... We've all done embarrassing things yes, related to yes. the children. <laughs> this is truly like, I'm going to talk about this in in a little bit, but like this is truly one of like the biggest stains of, of my life, like on my life, like... It is really embarrassing, but also it was just a huge Canadian scandal and we love to, you know, talk shit and spill the tea. And I feel like not a lot of people outside of Canada had heard about this big scandal, but like it's a juicy one. It's very juicy and it's yeah, it's a great way to like look back at just what the 2000s were and what you could get away with in terms of like quote-unquote activism because like it doesn't you don't need to be Canadian or know about Free the Children to know about like a similar organization or you were probably involved in some similar organization listeners you know 
That's we all such we all probably point. sponsored a child or like did something that was like yes. now oh like God. questionable. <laughs> yeah, that's such a good point. Like the the 2000s just brought like volunteerism to the forefront. Um, and then people like in the 2010s started to have conversations about, you know, how harmful they were to the communities involved. So you're right. Even if you weren't involved in this specific charity, there's hundreds of comparators. Yeah. You probably donated to something sketchy. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) I'm like laughing. I don't, I also like, this is going to be a comical episode because we're three funny people, but also I feel like I don't want to downplay the like also harms of this organization. So I feel like we're going to weave in like, there's going to be funny bits, but it's also, it is like, like maybe not heavy, but it's, it's a big deal. Well, we're not laughing at the children, you know, we're laughing at ourselves for like (laughs) falling for these like (laughs) foolish leaders of this movement. (laughs) (laughs) We're pro children. (laughs) patreon slash podcast (laughs) yes yes we are so the last thing I want to say before we like get into the meat and potatoes of the episode is that I feel like just for clarity's sake we are probably gonna say like FTC free the children and we or we charity like interchangeably but um we're talking about this the same organization they did a big uh name change in the I think I don't know, late 2000s, early 2010s. So um, like when I first got involved, it was called Free the Children. So just an FYI, I still kind of refer to it as Free the Children because that's how I mainly knew about it. But we might be using, you know, different words to describe it. Okay, let's get into like the overview for folks that don't know. So Free the Children is a charity based in Toronto, Canada that implemented development programs in Asia, Africa, Latin America, as well as domestic programming for youth in Canada, the US and the UK. So this is kind of like your classic volunteer tourism, where you either domestically raise money um, and send it abroad, or you actually participate on a service trip and you go to the community and like build a school or a well or like something like that. So they raised millions of dollars to build schools in Africa. That was kind of their meat and potatoes. But again, like I said, all over the world. And it was founded by a 12-year-old white child, Craig Kielberger, and his older brother, Mark Kielberger. After Craig read about a child factory worker being killed for speaking out against child labor. So when did you both hear initially about free the children like let's start start with you lisa like when did you first become familiar with this organization i think it was when i was in grade six and i'm 25 now so i think that's like that's a big portion of my life but someone came to my elementary school and basically told this story i don't know how many times i've told this story or heard this story about the origins of free the children and immediately i was like wow, a kid can make a difference. Like I can make a difference too. And I think that's really where I got hooked. And then I stayed in it for like eight years based on the fact that, you know, I felt like I could make a difference because it seemed like Craig had made an incredible impact. But 
that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, honestly. So that was so young. And yeah, that's a really good point about how the message of Free the Children was like children helping other children. And the main platform that they started on was releasing children who were um, forced into child labor. So, for example, their first action was to collect signatures and like start a petition. And that all sounds great, but it kind of quickly developed over its like 20-ish years in existence um, into volunteer volunteerism and yeah these donations to building schools uh Emily how did you first hear about for the children well I heard about it in high school I think I'm a little older and um (laughs) but I went to the super like radically activist high school like it sounds it's such a Montreal thing um (laughs) like we had social justice week where and I was like a key member of the social justice club and we would have like we'd put on like huge events all week basically just dedicated to social activism and they were like oh they're doing this like they just like told us about free the children where they're like they're doing this all day like I don't know how they presented it but it was like super fun day to learn about this charity and how you get involved and yeah I like heard about it didn't know much because it's not like you would really go and like research this stuff at the time like on the internet (laughs) in 2005 I guess yeah and so I went to like a we day thing and started my own chapter in my high school immediately after yeah I also remember the story of Craig Kielberger like being 12 um, after he first did his um, petition around his neighborhood in Toronto he went to Southeast Asia to meet child laborers and have firsthand like conversations with them which really gained national national attention in Canada in terms of like it was in the news but then also federal like the federal government, like at the time, our prime minister was John Jean Chrétien, which is like so weird. I was like, oh my god, I have not thought of that evil man for like ten <laughs> years. Like I was like, oh, I forgot he existed. <laughs> like, like truly, but so he started to gain like literally the prime minister's attention, and when he flew back from Southeast Asia to Canada. There was a crowd of students waiting for him at the airport like he was a celebrity. And people started to pick this up. Oprah did a special on him, which is probably maybe the first time I was introduced to him. Which, like, I do love Oprah, but it's like Oprah introduced me to, like, Dr. Oz, Craig Kielberger, <laughs> like, like, just, like, all of these horrendous people. I'm like, hmm, like. fuck or just like all of the weight loss shit that she like pushed onto me like I just uh there's a love-hate relationship but yeah like he had a special on Oprah where she donated tons of money um the Pope endorsed him again another red flag the Queen of Queen Elizabeth the fucking Queen of England the Clintons rest in peace Lizzie (laughs) (laughs) and um no one like raised any eyebrows at so like I feel like a lot of these are 
I guess that these are people that we looked up to. So basically, it's like that philo- philosophical, like, like where an authority, like fallacy, I guess I'm trying to say, like where an authority is telling you this is a good thing. So you just like automatically yeah. believe it and don't like look into the research. So I think that that's when I had first heard of him. I feel like that was the name of the game. I feel like that was the name of the game for the 2000s for everything, like including the diets that Oprah sold us and like including like we weren't like going and then reading studies to like see if it was legit. We're just like, okay, no more apples. Like, you know, we're not going to eat carbs now. Like (laughs) and and like same for charities, like the bar was truly so low. You could just be like, I'm I built a well in Africa and everyone's like, wow. (laughs) And like by the time this got to us, it's like teachers are endorsing it like teachers that we trust yes. adults that we trust so when I look back at it now I'm like like these people were adults and like I, I don't know like a lot about the like financial discrepancy discrepancies of the organization but like even back at the beginning it's like a, a group of kids is running this like who is in charge of all these donations they're getting from like the Clinton Foundation <laughs> like these would be huge donations so yeah, I, I definitely regret not asking questions, but I didn't ask questions about anything when I was 12. Yeah, and again, like a, a parental figure or like a person that you trust is telling you to get involved in, and you're like, yeah, you have the life experience, the knowledge, the resources to make sure that this is legitimate, and I trust you, so why wouldn't this be okay? <laughs> yeah. So... It was the thing to do. I think that that was another thing that I really wanted to emphasize. So it was our live strong bracelet. (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Like, oh, my God. That's such a good point. Yeah. Grade seven. I think I wore a live strong bracelet. (laughs) We all did. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of embarrassing things like, geez. (laughs) (laughs) So cringe. And so... I also am older than you, Lisa. So I was in high school, I feel like, when I was, like, hearing about this. And I really liked the message also of children helping children. Because I think peer education is really valuable. I still work in, like, a peer education model in, in my job in real life. And so I was just like, oh, this makes sense. Like, sometimes youth feel so... Like, they can't contribute to, you know, society because of some of the bureaucracy and, like, red tape but just around, like, your age. So I felt like I was like, oh, this is, like, a cool way to get involved with the community. And it was, like, all of a sudden, it was, like, Twilight. It was, like, all of a sudden, everyone was involved. Like, I can't even actually remember the first seed. It was, like, I can't even remember the first like where I read Twilight it's just like all of a sudden I was obsessed and everyone around me was also obsessed oh yeah it was everywhere everywhere it was everywhere so yeah so it's happening in our schools they're getting kids involved and basically like Emily and Lisa kind of uh said how schools could get involved is they would create a chapter or a club at their elementary school, high school, or university. And it would be a group of fellow youth. And you would do events to raise awareness about, like, inequities around the world and uh, raise money for, 
yeah, either water projects or education projects or housing projects in, again, primarily Africa, but like many countries in Africa, but also areas in Latin America and Asia. So I think the like real standout moment for me is when I went to We Day. So I went to We Day in, I think, 2010 was the first time I went. And what We Day is, is like a group of motivational speakers and performers in a very, very large stadium. So when I went, I saw the Dalai Lama speak. Oh, like yikes like like it was wild like it was like oh my god all of a sudden by participating in this volunteer organization I have access to the Dalai Lama like God was a was on the docket to speak like literally (laughs) like everyone like I'm surprised the queen herself didn't also like do a speech you know like Like, literally (laughs) and it was yeah like it was inspirational like the first time I went I was blown away like I got a bag of books on my seat and it was all about how you can contribute to a better society all these speakers spoke really eloquently really you know impact it was impactful like sharing about how they were moved by their involvement in this organization and I like completely drank the kool-aid this is so fascinating to me because I was I'm realizing I was actually pre We Day, so like We Day was a thing, probably a couple of years after I joined. But my like I guess it wasn't called We Day at the time; it was just like Free the Children Educational Day. But it was like in an attic, like <laughs> it. But it was still like they still got us to drink the Kool Aid. So it was kind of like I guess what you would describe as more kind of like team building exercises type of thing like we would like walk a line from one end of the room to the other and like it represented like something about oh, children like privilege, privilege. I, like, I don't even <laughs> yeah, know yeah. something like we were like moved and then we were like inspired but it was like very janky <laughs> and like kind of busted that's so funny well I feel like for you like Lisa and I are on the west coast you on the mm-hmm. part of central Canada like I feel like do you is that what you consider Montreal I mean, I would say Eastern Canada, but like, what? Okay. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like Quebec always just needs to be like its own. They're like, we can't be defined. Like, we're just Quebec. Like, I don't yeah, know. This okay, is whatever. but like literally. Yeah. But like, I feel like your proximity to Toronto is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Really made it like, um, like it made it to you way quicker. Whereas, like on the West Coast. Similar to the railway, (laughs) we were the last to join. (laughs) It's like we're, it's as if we're talking about some like ancient society that I had to like travel like by like railway, like down the information. It kind of was not, it's kind of accurate. (laughs) It kind of was like, because I'm pretty sure when I went to Weede was like the first time I had heard of Twitter because you could like tweet like on the big screen. So so like I went in again 2010. I think Twitter started in like 2008 or 2009. And I went and it was at um GM what what's the Rogers Arena? Rogers Arena, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um in Vancouver and there would literally be on the big billboards or whatever screens hashtag like we day or whatever every tweet is like 25 cents towards like 
clean water in Sierra Leone or something like that. Like, were they showing live tweets? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God. Then Twitter must have not been what it is today because, like, imagine (laughs) if you just, like, let a rip, like, anyone using a certain hashtag would be, like, just, like, very not PG and very, like, not helping any cause. (laughs) It's so bad. It's so bad. I will say the second time I went to Weeday was in 2013 and it was completely different. So, and I really noticed this at the time. So, I think in 2013, I was having my awakening (laughs) Mm, to like, "Mm, maybe this is problematic. So I went in 2013. At this time, I was in, I think, second year university. I hadn't gone in in three years. So I was like, this is really corporate. So all of a sudden, like the difference between 2010 and 2013, it's like there was tons of corporate sponsors Like every segment was like brought to you by TELUS, like (laughs) brought to you by Robin Hood Flower, like that type of stuff. And like it, it was, it was just a lot different. The vibe was, you could tell that it had been corporatized. Is that even a word? I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Capitalism. Yeah. 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 Like (laughs) capitalism had reached the Kielberger brothers. (laughs) Yeah, I think like if I were to explain, like I'm thinking, like explain to my grandchild, like what we day was like. I'm like, like mega church. Honestly, it's like yes, they made you yes. feel like a certain way, and it made you like go out and you're like, I'm like 100% on board with this. And like by the last time I went, it was like grade 12, and I was still, still fully on board. Um, even when J Lo came out at the end. <laughs> <laughs> um oh my god that's such a good analogy yeah because yeah. even my one that was in an attic we were still like jumping up and down and like chanting like we're the change or like some <laughs> shit like that like it was yeah. it was like something like we left like so supercharged we like stayed up all night designing our like high school chapter like me and my friend who went together yeah yeah it, it's so weird though because now I look at like you know Kanye Sunday service or like Hmm. whoever Tony Robbins or whatever that the Kardashians go to like I'm like I would never ever be duped by that but then it's like lol you were by two extremely mediocre white men god story of my life unfortunately yeah yeah (laughs) again nothing's changed not not too proud to admit it but that's the truth (laughs) truly so because this is RTBB, I feel like we need to talk about the celebrities that would attend We Day before we get into like the actual like a scandalos of this organization. So you mentioned J Lo. I mentioned the Dalai Lama. Were there any other like We Days that you attended or celebrities that you know stood out to you? Honestly, like Selena Gomez hosted that same one that J Lo was at. And uh, Nick Jonas was there. It, it was a wild time. And I, I have, we got floor seats. You also got like your seats based on like how much impact your school had made. So if your school had like made the most impact, I'm sure they put a, like a lot of private schools down there probably, um, you would get on the floor. So we were on the floor that year. Oh and my God. 
And yeah. also to like, not to mention the fact that like, if you bought concert tickets to all those artists today, it would be like $5,000. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, hey, that's the other th- part, which like you think that I would be caring more about the celebrities back in this day. No, I was like riding for Craig Kielberger. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like he was the one that I wanted to see, which is like so fucking creepy. Like I didn't even like super care about the talent. That's how much of the Kool-Aid I drank. But like to see Selena Gomez, like that is like mind blowing. And you're right, Emily, like that's if we bought Selena Gomez concert tickets, like that's hundreds of dollars. This is free. Yeah. Plus like any of those celebrities, Jonas Brothers, like JLo, all of that, like now to see like one concert is like a million dollars. Yeah, and, like, honestly, where Lisa and I live, like, no one even comes to Vancouver anymore. (laughs) So, like, we're also paying for flights and hotels and shit. Yeah. Uh, Were there any other, like, celebs that you got to see that you were excited about or that were just, like, impressive at the time? I'm, like, so jealous right now. Sorry, this this question has to be for Lisa because I was truly pre, like, I was pre, like. I didn't know if you had any. Okay. No, no. I literally, like, I literally, (laughs) oh, my God. Like, I went to this one busted, like, I guess, pre day day, and then I was just working away at my high school. Like, we we did fundraisers. So I I started my chapter in grade 10. So we did grade 10 and 11 because in Quebec, that's, like, the last year of high school. And I was just, we were just working away, like hustling, doing fundraisers for like two Your years own straight. Child labor. <laughs> like our own child labor. Yeah. Cause we were going to raise money. Like we were going to raise money for, to build a school in Sierra Leone. That was the goal. And you could like go down a menu at the time, basically of like, here are all the initiatives. And actually it was this one I'm, I'm pretty actually proud of. There was one where you could like buy a goat for a village. And we were like, oh, that's the cheapest mm. one. So we could like do it the easiest and so we thought of this campaign of got goat because that's when got milk ads were big (laughs) and we had we made like pins I would like stay up all night making like like but like pins like buttons that that said like got goat with like goat with a milk mustache it's like such the most like 2000s like story ever (laughs) literally that's so funny there were like zero celebrities involved and I'm just like so jealous right now (laughs) that's so funny I think the only other one I can think of that I didn't see her, but Demi Lovato was huge with the organization. Yes, Demi Lovato was extremely involved with the charity. Um, In 2013, she made a documentary for MTV about working, and I put that in quotes, with the Masse Mara National Reserve. And then for her birthday, she took a voluntary trip. Like, she chose to do this for her birthday. She went to Kenya and built a school for, again, built in quotes, a school for 10 days. So, yeah, she was really, really involved. I'm going to list some other celebs that were involved. Al Gore. Oh, yeah. LOL, Martin Luther King III, Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez, Lily Singh, Jennifer Hudson, Liam Payne, uh, <laughs> LOL. <laughs> like, Did he do any performances, any dance <laughs> performances? Like, um, yeah. <laughs> Naomi Campbell, Prince Harry, and Meghan Markle. 
uh, Seth Rogen, Zendaya, Jennifer Aniston, Lily Collins, Jennifer Lopez, Kendrick Lamar, Headley, and the cast of Degrassi, which is big for us Canadians, Sarah McLaughlin, Justin Trudeau, our current prime minister, and so many more people. It's like shorter to come up with a list of like who didn't attend. Like literally, (laughs) literally. And like, I think obviously Selena Gomez and Demi Lovato and Jennifer Aniston and stuff are like a-list celebs currently but it's like at the time was also like more their peak like they were the it girls like all of these people so yeah absolutely wild I couldn't find all of their um what they got paid for performing or appearing at we day but Jennifer Lopez's was listed and same with Kendrick Lamar's. Jennifer Lopez was paid 250k and Kendrick Lamar was paid 55k. I I never even thought about them getting paid. The same. First of all, also was it like 10 grand you had to raise to build a school somewhere? Yeah. Like yeah, it's like it's like oh you mean you could have just built 250 <laughs> schools if you didn't have fucking Jennifer Lopez come sing let's get loud (laughs) i was just gonna say like this land is our land and then like the let's get loud like at the end like (laughs) she sang one song what song (laughs) i don't remember what it was but it was the very end everyone thought it was over she came out and she sang one song that's wild i like it's it's unbelievable. So that was when I was kind of like, hmm, maybe like this isn't like kind of what I'm vibing with. Also, I want to say that at this time, I watched MTV a lot, MTV Canada a lot, and Craig Kielberger had an MTV Cribs episode. What? No way. Yes. What? Yes. Oh my gosh. Me? Both of you don't know this. What? No. Yes. So he had, he walked around his like living quarters. I'm not going to say room. I'm not going to say house. I'm going to say living quarters of this compound in the Masai Mara National Reserve. Love that for him. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? I can't, like, this is, okay, this is all just like so fascinating for me because in my experience, like, I, I guess I was just like part of this, like, initial wave and then my disenchantment came before there were ever like major celebrities and everything my disenchantment came because we had raised money for a school in Sierra Leone and then I went on to study international development in university which I did for one year until I was like wait a minute this is just like white people saving brown people like white savior complex and then I thought back to all the activism I did in high school and was like where did this what about what happened with this school? And also, was there money for teachers following up? Was there money for books, uniforms, all the things that you need, like following up on projects like that? And, and also, like, who's to say, like, what the curriculum was? Like, all these, I had all these questions and no answers. And that's when I, like, started to, like, disengage from this world. So this is just, like, <laughs> so so interesting because I, I don't even know what I would have thought if I had like watched JLo come out and been like wait a minute 
<laughs> I didn't even say wait a minute. Yeah, it took me yeah, so yeah. long. It took me so, so long. Like I went on a trip in like summer before university and I met Craig there. And where did you go? Whole- I went to India. Okay, right. Um, and like everyone says, you know, you're doing like your service work, but I think I worked for worked for four hours, like building a wall for their garden, for the school's garden. And I don't, I just dug like holes. Yeah. Like I didn't do anything. And then after that, I was still like, this is huge. Like, and I weaseled my way. I forced my way into that organization to go to facilitator training for trips, went to the Vancouver office and everything. And Seeing it from inside, I think, was, like, the thing for me. Like, everyone was overworked and not getting paid enough. Same things. Everyone's like, we can really make a difference. Like, Craig, Craig, Craig. Like, Craig didn't seem like a person anymore. Like, he was, like, above everything. And it was just, like, such a hardcore environment that I was like, this is so toxic. Yeah. It's definitely, like very much in the same nonprofit organization like toxicity and overworked like yeah but we have to do it and like I don't know it's complicated it's complicated because it's like yeah we do need people to like provide services in our communities and stuff like that and then then but nonprofits just the hours worked and the little pay to live like it's unlivable yeah I read this book when I was starting to get disenchanted with this world called the nonprofit industrial complex and they talked about like nonprofits as like a necessary wing of capitalism for basically like the workers are it's like built in that they are underpaid and overworked because there are these kind of like martyr figures that like mm-hmm. take the brunt like almost like the way nuns were back in the day and then mil- millionaires and billionaires like the, ri- the rich folks basically like throw their money like their pennies and like change they find in their couch at these organizations get a tax break and they're like we're giving back we are good people um and that it's like literally supporting like wealth inequality essentially it's fascinating i'm gonna have to read that book for sure yeah. So and like yeah, like all of that is true. So let's I'm going to talk a little bit about my service trip as well and and then let's talk about the absolute turn in Free the Children which is like them starting their uh for-profit uh wing of the charity. But I also like I also want to take responsibility for my service trips. So in 2010, so the same year that I went to the first V-Day, I was in uh, grade 12 of high school and I went to Guatemala for spring break. And we refurbished school chairs and desks, like the ones that are joined. They were... um, I guess, donated to this library in this small town near Antigua and they needed to be fixed up and repainted. So we did that. We worked, quote unquote, from, yeah, like maybe 9 a.m. to 
noon and then we like hung out with the kids that attended the library it was like a library slash after school program for a few hours then we would go home and I was like yeah like okay we did like a little bit of manual labor but we also you know brought a bunch of stuff like that the school didn't have books and toothpaste and medical supplies and like stuff like that and I was like oh like we also and I should also clarify that this wasn't with free the children this was with organization in my hometown as like I'm also bringing a lot of awareness like when I come home I blogged the whole trip obvi and I was like I'm bringing a lot of awareness to what's going on in like the poorest country in in Latin America um to people who would have never heard of this otherwise so I was like okay like even if I'm not really contributing on the manual labor part like I definitely am like building awareness and then two years later I went to India as well and I it was with the same organization and we started digging for the foundation of a like a boarding house for students who wanted to go to school but didn't have like a good environment at home and that was like I was like why the fuck are we doing this like the refurbished desk I was like okay like we're competent enough to do this the actual like boarding house I was like we have no skills we're we're all like 20 years old and we have no technical skills like you need technical skills to build to construct a building and like upper body strength like yes, so many things yes, like yes yes we're like actually like a it's like the opposite of helping it's like actually hindering like anyone who would be trying to like build something in a timely way 100% it was just taking more resources but then I was like okay well part of our trip fee is a is a donation to the organization so they can use this afterwards and I did keep in touch with the host partner that lived in India. Like we, we, we say well wishes on each other's birthdays still. And we checked in during COVID, but like that was it. And um, like we got pictures and stuff like that. So like that piece, like something actually did happen, which we're going to get to in a little bit. But it was after that summer when, yeah, all of this was happening that I was like, oh my God, this is super, this is really bad. Like we just came disrupted these people's lives and then left and then were never heard from again and I started seeing all these like articles about like white people posing with children in these impoverished communities and I was like that was me like that was yeah I had to (laughs) remove mine um (laughs) I I don't I don't even know if I did or not (laughs) yet but I don't know I don't know it's interesting because yeah. I, I had this par- sort of parallel experience where like in Sejep, I did this program where you go to Latin America for a month, um, but it wasn't like a chair. It wasn't like positioned as charity. It was literally just like, here's this little fringe hippie like major that you can do um, for two years. We build up to this trip to Nicaragua, but you take like Spanish classes, learn about Nicaraguan history, po- <laughs> Nicaraguan like politics, everything about this specific country and they'd been going back there for like a decade basically and they were just like these are our our friends and we're gonna go hang out with a you're gonna go hang out with a family for a couple weeks and just like vibe basically um but 
even then, like, I was like, we literally spent two years like learning about Nicaraguan culture. And then I got there. I was like, I don't, I don't know anything about, about this place. Like I, I'm just on like a basic human level. Yes, sure. But like, I don't know. I don't have an understanding of like what these people are like, what they need as a society and like the balance (laughs) within themselves and so even though like it wasn't a charity thing I was like I was like it would be such bullshit to like imagine myself then also going to like a country and being like I have the answers I can help literally like look at us in like the quote-unquote developed world like we have done it and you haven't so we're gonna come in and show you the ways like it's disgusting like it Yeah, I was having, like, I I was, like, oh, I finally, like, paid attention in school. It was, like, I learned what ethnocentrism was. And I was, like, I was, like, oh, this is, this kind of sounds like Craig Kielberger. And I remember I was hanging out with one of my aunts after the trip to India. And and she was, like, do you think you'll do another one? And I was, like, "Mm, I kind of, like, feel bad. Like, we weren't skilled enough to, to really actually help out and, like, we kind of just showed up and um and then disappeared and stuff and like I remember it was like and this is like no offense to her at like zero percent but she was like oh my god I'm so surprised that you wouldn't want to do another one um because I think we had gone to a fundraiser it was like a garage sale fundraiser for someone else's trip and I was like yeah I'll buy the hot dog at your garage sale but like but I don't want to like support your trip because I don't think you should go and like so I was like finally having those kind of like aha moments and yeah I was like this is really bad (laughs) this is extremely bad yeah I think also like they did a really good job of thinking ahead of those criticisms as well. Like when you would ask questions and say like, is this sustainable? They'd be like, yeah, that's like our whole focus. Like they had this saying, like we're giving a hand up, not a handout that they're like helping like lift people out of poverty, which is still saviorism, but that they were like giving them the tools to thrive. And then it'd be like, oh, okay. Like, so you've thought about this and like, this seems like a, an okay thing but they just like I I think they knew what they were doing like if we think back to like 12 year old Craig I think he had like good intentions he was a kid he like wanted to help yeah but I think it grew so fast and just yeah looking back at it I'm like I feel so much shame like especially the feelings I felt coming back I wasn't like you Tori I was like wow I just made a huge difference and like when I think about that now I'm like I did nothing for that community other than disrupt these children's school day Mm -hmm. like and take resources take food from a remote place that probably doesn't have great food security like yeah the list goes on yeah even just like this is like beyond free the children but just all like nonprofit work from the developed world to the developing world it's like what is so great about our society? Like our great, our great (laughs) mental health. Like what is like, like, what is it that we're like, this is incredible. You guys literally like got to get in on this. Like we're doing so well. (laughs) Yeah. That's such a good point. And like, (laughs) I in like second year, third year uni. So again, I'm like uh, one or two years out of my trip. 
I take a Latin American history course and I'm like, oh, just wait. So you mean the U.S. caused all of these problems in Central and South America and now are doing this fake way of like fixing it, but not talking about any of their involvement in the the politics and like yeah I don't know it was just it was so weird to me I was like oh I didn't know that (laughs) I'm so dumb oh my god I'm like so ignorant but like I was like I didn't know that like the U.S. had so much involvement in these countries that now we were going back to quote-unquote help it's like it's like beyond white saviorism and to me it verges into like the white man's burden like I don't know if you guys know that that say like we learned that in I forget which history class but it's like the the colonial idea that it was like quote the white man's burden to like civilize uncivilized countries mm-hmm. and it's like then right. it just became right. and like yeah and then which unfortunately was my favorite childhood author who coined that term Rudyard Kipling which I didn't realize at the time (laughs) the writer of the just so stories it was a true heartbreak moment for me but like I just I do feel like it then just became like the white man's burden never went away it was just like okay well now it's the white man's burden to like do charity work and like help them out it's like we got we someone's got to take this on you know yeah and um, I know we're talking a lot about like our white identity, like Emily's and I's white identities in this work, Lisa. But do you want to speak to being an indigenous yeah. woman and, you know, how that's impacted your yeah. involvement? It's really interesting. So I'm like I'm indigenous on my dad's side and white on my mom's side. So I kind of hold like a dual identity. So it was really interesting for me as an Indigenous person realizing as an adult that I had done this whole like white savior thing to another group of people. And I think it just speaks to how there can like be that lateral oppression as well. And that, yeah, it's it's super messy. And like I look back at it now being like a lot stronger in my Indigenous identity and like really confused why we or me to we wasn't like more focused on reconciliation in its own country um instead of like going to other countries to do things but yeah it it's it's a honestly like shame is is the word of the day I think like looking back at everything and when especially when you like spend so much time like you said like a like just like a stain on on your life and also like it honestly inspired me to do a lot of things that have led me to where I am now which I'm very grateful for but I I wish it happened in a different way yeah I'm so glad that you're saying this um and like you're like you're kind of reminding me that like this very issue is like this is the reason why I left like this was the catalyst for me leaving was realizing basically like the fucked up relationship that Canada has with this indigenous population, but it's uncomfortable to get involved because we understand more of like the nuances of like the tensions within our society. And yet, so then we'll like, at least at the time, I don't, like we just like, as a society would be more comfortable, like going overseas to a, a culture that we don't understand. And there's no like day to day interaction of like, 
that you're faced with in your life. So it's like, oh, we're going to do this good thing because I think uh, like it was just realizing that like, yeah, we're doing all this and yet like fully ignoring like our own country's like issues that, yeah, it's, it's, that's like at the crux of it to me. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think it's easier to go somewhere else and solely be like the helper than to deal with our issues that we're all essentially all in non-indigenous people are complicit with yeah 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 I'm I'm just you know reflecting and yeah that it's it's such a good point about the comfort level and it just shows where where Canada was at the time in the early 2000s and 2010s of and where we still are of of this country uh like this identity this cultural identity as a country of niceness and prosperity and progressiveness and we're the ones lending a hand to other countries um like that was our place in the world when at home we had we had the same history of colonization as as many of these other countries that was again being continued by charities like free the children in a lot of ways like like things have changed and also like things haven't changed like we're still exactly like like now there is a much more kind of like mainstream awareness of like white saviorism yet at the same time there's still all these international charities doing like all kinds of things and it's still like every election cycle it's like I don't know should we give indigenous people like clean water I don't don't know like it's that's the debate like it's literally like we're kind of on the ballot yeah Yeah. like we're sort of like I don't know on this like hamster wheel yeah which again um like you're talking about clean water some of our indigenous communities do not have access to clean water but again free the children's fucking whole motto was like provide clean water to um these children in Nicaragua or like wherever like it's it completely over overlooking the the issues that indigenous folks on these lands and settler Canadians like like the the reality of of our daily lives like yeah it like this is another reason why I wanted to talk about this because it's actually unimaginable <laughs> like like how how this happened like how this organization um, happened and and continued on and and got to such levels of success and no, not I don't want to say no one because I'm sure there's people but not a lot of people questioned it until like even fucking 2020 which we're gonna get into like that is yeah seems unimaginable at the time I just want to one note before we move on to that the the actual scandal even though this is scandalous in I believe 2016. Uh, Free the Children rebranded as We Charity. And I think it was uh, a bit before that, 2008, where they launched Meetawe, which was their sister company um, that was toted as a social enterprise that sold products where half the profit went to a charity and half was invested back into the company. So, for example, you could go to Staples and buy school supplies or a card or I don't know whatever a backpack and it had we branding on it 
And it was like, hey, 25 bucks for this backpack, $12.50 goes to Meet a Wee, and $12.50 goes to uh, Free the Children. So again, it was using people's like goodwill or good intentions to purchase products and they might not understand that half the money goes to a for-profit company under the Kielberger brothers and half of that money goes to free the children which it seems like the the brothers were siphoning money from anyways so like it it didn't really matter but like it just is so interesting how like Lisa said it went from a a charity with good intentions to a a capitalist company to make certain people super rich. Yeah. And I even remember, so they had Rafiki bracelets. Yes. Which sounds weird to even say. Oh my um, God, yes. But there were like beaded bracelets from women in Kenya, I believe. And I had a bunch of them and you could buy them at Indigo or Chapters. And I remember for fundraising, I'm pretty sure you had to buy them. And then, like, as a club, you would buy them and then you would sell them for the money. And yes. then you would give that money back to the organization. Yes. Like, literally yes. an MLM. Like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like, hey, girly, do you want to raise money for charity? Like, <laughs> yes. I've got an opportunity for you. And I was like, sign me up because I was fucking selling Rafiki bracelets. <laughs> like, Oh my god. I'm dying. Ah. I for I completely forgot about those goddamn bracelets. This is just about resurfacing all of our guilt and shame and like it it's just me. Like, yeah, that's what we're really here to do today. Literally. And like they had the capitalist shit on lock. Actually, it's giving major Taylor Swift's uh midnight's vibes. Midnight's. But like I'm not even joking. The Rafiki bracelets, it's like, okay, well you can get the blue water one and then you can get the red one mm. for Valentine's Day. And then you can get the multicolored one for like a school supplies. And like it was it was ridiculous. And again, like most of the time I was just like going along with it or I was like asking questions that people had answers to and I was like, okay, cool. You have you had the answer. Like I'm gonna move on and, and move forward with this company or charity or whatever it was. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, let's actually talk about like the scandal of 2020. So I wrote so many notes because I never talk about things with this much detail. <laughs> Usually I'm just like, like Jason Sudeikis's text messages were leaked like but now I'm like the salad dressing <laughs> now I'm like fully like reading government articles but um <laughs> like government reports but things were getting a little sketch for the charity for example there is a company called charity intelligence that rates the demonstrated impact per dollar of certain charities Free the Children's came out as low. So there was like, again, kind of these seeds brewing, but they were able to uh, kind of squash any issues that they were having. There is a news outlet called Canada Land that started doing think pieces and stuff about the Kielberger brothers. And again, they were met with almost backlash or lawsuits from the brothers themselves to uh, quell any 
kind of uprising that people were having around the charity. In March 2020, mysteriously, a bunch of board of directors were abruptly replaced, including Michelle Douglas, who is a human rights activist in Canada, uh, who noted that there were some concerning developments about the charity. And again, people were having concerns about the blurred lines between the charity and the for-profit sector of the company. And then there was another incident that I'm going to share, then we'll get to like the federal government shit. So in June 2020, a black staff member said she she was going on a school tour to give a speech and the speech that she was going to give was edited by mostly a group of white staff members and she brought forth concerns about this. It got raised to Mark and Mark like abruptly shut it down. So there is these like small kind of maybe isolated incidents happening around 2020 before everything blew up. So but it was like right for the the takedown of Free the Children. So in 2020, the pandemic happened. Newsflash. <laughs> Newsflash. And the Canadian government thought at the federal level thought we need to implement a student summer grant program to financially support students amidst the pandemic. Everyone's like, yeah, we do need to do that. So everyone was stoked. The government was going to award charity organization $912 million, so just off $1 billion, to implement this student uh, summer grant program. And... (laughs) It was awarded to none other than Free the Children. Like directly awarded. Like there was no competition. <laughs> yes, yeah. There was there was no other people considered. It was <laughs> it was just Free the Children. And people were like, oh, that's interesting. Cause as I mentioned when we did the celeb section of this episode, uh, we had employed Justin Trudeau as well as his brother, his wife, and his mother for certain events, including We Day, but also like other offshoot uh, smaller events where they had earned a total of $412,000, which was initially lied about. And then, yeah, people started raising questions of why Free the Children was chosen when Justin Trudeau had a specific connection to and a a paid working relationship to the organization. Do you remember, Lisa, what, like, what you were doing at this time? Like, did you hear about this? And, like, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I I heard about it for sure. Because I was, like, (laughs) I was interested in that program. Like, I was a student. I was, like, this will be cool. And then I was, like, what? Like, that's a lot of money. And I think just, like, immediately – concerns started rolling out and there were like podcasts there's there's just so much stuff that I learned from that but at the time I was just like like of of course this is happening and I think they said like there's no other organization with this caliber of like to be able to take on this type of program and it's like I don't know if that's completely true but also don't give it to the organization that you essentially work for yeah yeah literally what did you think Emily but 
by this point, I guess I'm just still amazed that this happened in 2020. Like to me, the yes. scandal broke like 10 years ago. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. But like by this point, which I mean, it's the same as how I feel today. I'm just, I'm so highly skeptical of every charity that like, I was like, not like, I just wasn't even surprised, I guess, like, because of how involved I was. And then I guess, you know, my all or nothing gene, like I was just, I went from being like, so hundred percent involved in the world of like, I want to make a difference to like fully disenfranchised and being like, I still believe in causes, but I'm going to need to do so much research before I can like even think about contributing to uh, a charity. Yeah. Oh my God. Same. And yeah. And so I was just like mm, a little, a little like, I guess this is like probably bad to say, but it, it kind of feels the same or felt the same to me as when there's like breaking celebrity tea that's really scandalous and you're like, ooh. <laughs> like just sort of like oh this is some juicy gossip it felt like that because like even my dad was like was texting me like the news articles being like oh the the Kuberger brothers are in a little bit of hot water Tori like what do you think about this and like okay again to hold myself completely accountable at the time even after I had these 10 years of like learning and unlearning about volunteerism and white saviorism etc I was like it kind of does make sense (laughs) because they can mobilize and distribute like these programs and stuff so like I would I guess I I don't know I also like summer of 2020 just wasn't thinking straight like I'll give myself a little bit of credit but like I did think at the time like they are an extremely well-known organization students will be able to access these grant programs really easily and then was like yeah but it's sus that Trudeau seemed to like his the uh, liberal party which is if again you're not familiar with Canadian politics is his uh party like chose this was like putting this idea forth and like he does have direct like I don't I don't even think it's a working relationship he seems like he's friends with the Kielberger brothers like they seem more than just obviously acquaintance so I was like "Mm, that's kind of sketch they seem like the same type of person like so so like young and schmoozy and their little taglines they're little like I'm a feminist and like but actually just like (laughs) rotted and like you know it's like so unsurprising I could see them like hanging out on a boat yes being like your boat or mine you know yeah okay but like that is actually such a good point that I didn't think about it's like a well-spoken white man that seems on the surface or like speaks about feminism that's infectious and both of them are treated or were treated like celebrities like they have some they have that charisma that um in addition to just yeah like they can mobilize crowds like they are um they've been so successful in in their certain areas just because of that I guess charisma freaking charisma and like Justin Trudeau once saying like what did he say like it's 2020 and like oh yeah, oh, yeah like yeah. we we have we like employ women 
and everyone's like oh my god this is like the best thing that's ever been said by a politician it's like, my god the, the bar is like fucking so low it truly truly is like everyone's like well he's so much better than trump i'm like oh my god i can't i hate that this is like the standard oh my god yes okay also side note this is getting so embarrassing i hope people aren't listening by this point <laughs> but like when craig kielberger got married i was devo me too <laughs> i was like my husband what has happened I was like sad. And like <laughs> when I met him, he was wearing a fedora, which like nothing <laughs> against fedoras. <laughs> but it's like that's not like the epitome of like being super hot. Oh, oh my god. This is the true scandal is everyone <laughs> I guess I'm finding out everyone's lusting after Craig. Like I <laughs> I like I'm not I'm not saying I'm better than anyone because he just wasn't like it wasn't like his face plastered everywhere I was involved but I'm like this is something worth investigating like which Canadians were horny for Craig back in the day (laughs) I literally (laughs) want to die like I'm so embarrassed right now yeah just burn this audio when it's honestly like I'm like considering not putting no I'm just kidding (laughs) He spoke in my hometown, Kamloops, when I was in high school and at like just like a local theater. And I was invited to like meet and greet beforehand. And I was there with like a bunch of other high school kids who were also invited. He walked in the room and this chick screamed. Like she full on was like, ah! like she full on screamed and it was so embarrassing. And I think she like dropped her like cocktail napkin like you know, we were, we were having, like, appies, and she, like, fully, like, like, lost it like it was the Beatles back in the day. <laughs> like, I don't know why that was my, my reference, but, like, she literally lost it. She literally lost it. You're just, like, deflecting to someone who is even more, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're like, this like, chick yeah, yeah. really, like, had like, it in for I, Greg. Should I first and last name her just to, like, absolve any responsibility? <laughs> yeah so creepy okay at this point so people are like okay I think we like the the federal government was like okay like the opposition of the liberal party was like I think we should launch a investigation about how this decision was made and why this charity was was given one billion dollars at the time like out of the one billion dollars 30 million had already been given to we at the time of the investigation launching um which was later refunded but like they had already been processing they were starting up this deal um before the government really started to investigate also at this time donors started to come forward so we had like the mysterious board disappear the student grant scandal and then donors started to come forward these were families or like rich people saying like I raised money or donated money for schools and then I was sent a picture of the school uh with a plaque being like this was donated by this family and (laughs) this is just like I'm sorry this is just so fucking absurd and then Other donors were comparing notes and they were basically given the same 
school multiple times uh, where the organization would just swap out the black that said who donated the money to build the school. The old bait and switch. The old bait and switch. And I'm going to, I hope I can find it again, but I watched a video of like one of the free the children workers because a lot of the like people that would go on the school tours or speak at we day became you know figureheads themselves and I remember I was watching a video when I was doing research for this episode and it was literally leaked obviously but it was somebody standing in front of the school being like hey um John Adams high school in Winnipeg here's the school that you build and then like and then he then he would like stop, like take a break, like whatever. Then he'd be like, hey, like other school, here's the school that you built. Like it was so bad. And like all the evidence of them being weird was was just right there. Whoa. That's like when celebrities get caught on cameo, like saying the same thing to everyone. Like, do you remember that happened yes. to Todd recall? <laughs> yes. Yes, like just don't do it. Like you can't get away with this stuff. Like you truly can't. Like people just try the most insane things. So a lot of these donors started to come forward to testify and to, you know, give their own uh, opinions about the, the company. And it was really sad because I watched a few of the testimonials and like some of them were donors that were raising like fundraising on behalf of their children or like child that had passed away. Like one, this one dad was talking about how he went there and read like his son's favorite book, like childhood book to like these students and stuff and how, you know, he left and then the plaque was swapped and then the school was, um, you know, paraded to another donor. Um, so again, not saying that contributing to these organizations were good, but just like the personal connection that some people had to this is so, so um, sad. I hope Craig, like, I hope this keeps him up at night. I hope he's haunted by Me this. Too. Me too. Me too. So then, uh, again, they're starting their federal investigation. They were asked to produce the list of 1,500 schools that Free the Children said they built. Um, and they could only produce a list of 360. So all of the holes, like, were starting to show. And that's just, like, the ones that they said that they built. But it's, like, not even accounting for the money that they're like, well, this obviously had to go to bureaucracies but it's like paying j-lo you know 100 percent, 100 percent uh it came out that craig and mark owned four million dollars u.s of real estate in kenya and their parents who are retired public school teachers owned millions of dollars of real estate in toronto so they were obviously getting paid tons or skimming from the company and hiding it in real estate and with their parents. Because you don't have to be a real estate agent in Canada to know that a public school teacher can't afford uh, even a shack in Toronto, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, yeah. So everything was beginning to show. Uh, they announced that they were going to wind down their operations in Canada. This was like early 2021. Which, again, for people like us, this is huge after putting, you know, it started in 1995. 
after putting a lifetime of work into this organization. What were your first thoughts, Lisa, when you heard that they were closing their doors in Canada? I think at the time and now, like, I think it was a good thing. And I think I thought it was a good thing um, that no one else was going to be bamboozled <laughs> by them. Um, but at the same time, it is, it's like the, the end of a chapter and it's that realization of something and it's, it's sad in a way, mostly for, first of all, the communities, all communities internationally that were impacted by the shit that the organization did. And then like the people, the young people who believed in it and like spent so much of their time and money to something that they believed in. I'm not really sad for, for Craig or Mark. Like, I think they'll be fine unfortunately. Um, but I really do hope that people continue investigating because I think this is just like the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. What about you, Emily? What did you think when they said that they were like finally closing closing down their operations in Canada? Um, I guess like hearing from you guys is making me realize just how truly bitter I am to my core because I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, good. And like, who else like who's next you know like who what other like we days are out there scamming people that we don't even know about yet you know I guess also for me too like um I wasn't really like my free the children like career <laughs> began in like 2005 and ended in like 2008 so it wasn't I wasn't like it wasn't pulling in my heartstrings but it was just all these things, I guess, affirmed the path that I took, which was like back in the day when I was in school, like switching from international development to like I switched to this local like community development program that focused on Canadian politics um, and like local community activism, basically. And I was like, OK, like, you know, this is like the solution that I can come up with is like trying to help in my own backyard um, in a tangible way. So yeah, I'm just, I, I also hope that um, if there are other like scammy type of similar organizations that haven't been uncovered yet, I hope this is like, this puts fear in them or like, you know, maybe like, maybe just is like sets a precedent. Yeah, that's a really good point. While this was happening in Canada, overseas in Kenya, there was news coming out via Canada land again that specifically Mark Kielberger the older brother was paying off Kenyan authorities to skirt some of the NGO policies that they had in place there so it was corrupt in Canada and it was and they were doing corrupt work no surprise in the communities that they were supposedly helping international scammers yeah straight up this is all documented really well on the podcast the white saviors and on the fifth estate which is i think a cbc show which is like the canada's broadcasting company for for those international listeners which you can find on all on youtube if you want to learn more about this do you folks have any like closing thoughts or 
things that we didn't get to touch on that you just want to share with the listeners? I'm just so glad that we were able to talk about it and that we're talking about it because I think it would be really easy for us to not. Yeah. But I think a lot of people have similar experiences to us and like at the end of the day, like it's not about us. And I think me to we or free the children made us think it was about us. And it just never was. I don't want it to feel like this is like a woe is me. I got bamboozled <laughs> yeah, by yeah. Craig Kilberger. Yeah. But it's just it's just shitty all around. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that, Lisa. You're like, it wasn't about we. It was about me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. In fact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. God, that's yeah, so this. Lame. Yeah, and as much as it wasn't, this isn't about us, this did feel like therapy to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was very, very good to have this conversation for my soul. It was cathartic. And so was when I was cleaning, <laughs> I was cleaning out my parents, uh, my childhood home, because my parents are moving. And this was the summer. And I um, picked up my. Most likely to be the next Craig Kuhlberger award that I was awarded in grade 12. And uh, threw that out real quick. So yeah, the catharsisism is real. LOL. (laughs) (laughs) Most likely to be, uh, most likely to be Craig Kuhlberger. You know what? Okay. (laughs) Like this is very much a side note, but you know what I got for like most likely I got dazed and confused. (laughs) No. in my high school and then I got shady and then I got I I was in the running for funniest girl but I lost I was in the top (laughs) I made it to the top three that's my (laughs) claim to fame (laughs) Lisa did you have any yeah what were your superlatives I was voted most likely to win a Nobel Prize so similar vein to the Craig (laughs) yeah and it was because of that it was and it's just like how can we com- even compare someone who would win a Nobel Prize to Craig Kilberger? <laughs> like, oh my god, it's just yeah. That's so I funny. Oh my they should have just said it. They should have just said Craig Kilberger. <laughs> yeah. Well, like again, like I think he's won the Order of Canada and stuff like that. Like it's like yeah. Again, just the the accolades that these brothers received from. Canadians far and wide was uh like nothing we've ever I feel like seen before it was um yeah and like and like we said there was hysteria around the we days and the the brothers in in particular so and I I feel like also this was really like processing a lot of stuff that I haven't been able to process but I still feel like I'm processing stuff like I feel like we talked a lot about like the involvement and stuff but I'm like I still feel like I need some accountability processes for um the work I did in Guatemala and India like straight up so yeah it's it's a journey and this was yeah just one one step in that like (laughs) my god anything else you folks want to say before we wrap up um just shout out to the fellow white girlies who you know were also digging holes and putting roof shingles on and sex- sexually attracted to Craig Kielberger um, and are now we having see re- you. Uh, yeah, we, you are seen um, if you're having regrets, it's, you're not alone. Um, yeah. 
Oh, or reach out to us if this was your awakening. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> If you didn't know about this and you're like shook to your core, like yeah. let us know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. We just ruined your childhood. Or oh whatever. my God. You've like, you've like been in a coma since like 2019. You're like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> oh my God. Um, but that's kind of like how it felt like, like was yeah. just kind of like, oh my God, I was asleep the entire time. Like yeah. I. Oh Yeah. Yeah, I was asleep at the wheel the entire time. Yeah. I like I I like you said earlier, like I always say, like, I don't think I would fall for like this cult or whatever, but I I think it can happen to anyone. Um like I love that you say that, Lisa, because on my podcast I always say that I can't believe I didn't get inducted into a cult because of (laughs) how gullible I have been throughout my life. Well, here you are. Yeah, here we are, yeah. Yeah, no. If you think you're better than someone that's been inducted into a call, you're not. Like, it can happen to anyone. <laughs> and like Coney 2012, we don't need to get into it, but I also believe <laughs> that. Oh, I w- oh, yeah, yeah. That was in the my heyday of We Day and Entry the Children. Of course I bought into that. Like, of course. I don't even want to tell you how old I was at that point. But this was so much fun and, again, cathartic. Lisa, congrats on your first podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. And Emily Rose, where can the listeners find your podcast? It's become a whole thing. You can find it in the podcast places. I was going to say, it's a Spotify exclusive. I just make it up. It's not a Spotify exclusive (laughs) at all. It's a Spotify original and exclusive. (laughs) Yeah, me and Megan Markle are just like, yeah, we're getting those deals. No, um, it's become a whole thing on Spotify and Apple. And yeah. And yeah, same on social media. It's it's become a whole thing. Thanks, Tori. You're the best. Thanks, you two, for coming on. This was super fun. And there you have it. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Emily Rose and Lisa for joining me on today's episode. A few things before we wrap up that I just like didn't mention in the episode, but there was also when I mentioned the Mark Kielberger, like paying off Kenyan officials. He was also kind of caught on video, not video, on a phone call bribing and potentially setting up a fake kidnapping of, I believe, an official. And there was like guns and like bags of money involved and shit. I just really suggest listening to The White Saviors. It is like six or eight episodes. They are such easy listens and it goes into the nitty gritty even more than we did. And then I didn't say what happened with the fucking investigation, but the Liberal Party of Canada, which is Justin Trudeau's party, blocked the investigation for months. And then in the investigation, when it finally did go through, they were found not guilty But I'll leave it up to you to decide if they were truly innocent or guilty or and if that's just, you know, what the report said. And then I couldn't find the plaque videos outside of the Fifth Estate videos. So I'm linking the Fifth Estate videos. They are like full episodes, like 40 minute episodes. I think that they do two of them and it shows the We Charity 
speaker standing in front of the schools um, and then making the video for different schools. Also, I think I said John Adams school as an example because that's where like they went in Boy Meets World or Girl Meets World. So uh, yeah, just some insider baseball for you all. Anyways, it's been a slice. I hope you are safe and healthy out there. As always, I'm your host, Tori, and I am ready to be petty. See you soon. Bye.